Lord willing, I believe that we're going to wrap up our series this morning on the one true God. I hope that during this series you have been challenged to seek to know Him as the God of the Scriptures, to know Him as He truly is. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If we want to know Him, when God tells us something about Himself, we need to pay special attention to that. I mean, all of the Scripture reveals God to us, But there are some passages where God himself is speaking and he tells us something about himself. And we just need to pay special attention to those things. He tells us this about himself, Genesis 17 and 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Here's a truth that you need to know. You want to know the true God? Here he is. He is the almighty God. He is all-powerful. you got to know him that way. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, I've talked about this truth every week because here's the thing. In our culture, people keep trying to change God. They keep trying to change who he is. Even believers, a lot of the time, are trying to change God from who he used to be, and they say, well, he's different now. I'm telling you, he is still the same God. He is still all-powerful. His power has never changed, and you need to know that. See, some people think that because God has given us power, that therefore he has less power. That is such finite thinking from foolish man. Because God's power can never be less. Listen, if it was less, then it changed. And if it changed, then he changed. And he can't change. See, if, if we pray for wisdom and God gives us wisdom, does he have less wisdom? No, that's ridiculous. And when we have God's power in our life, it doesn't mean that God has less power. No, that's just human thinking. It is man once again trying to create God in his own image. See, a lot of people say, well, we were created in the image of God, and therefore, if I'm this way, God is this way. Listen, you can't reverse engineer God. He is who He is. And don't ever start thinking, well, we're this way, so God is this way. No, He's not a man. He is God, and we need to remember that. And when it comes to His power and His strength, He's different than us. He has an unlimited supply. It never runs out. It just keeps going. It's not lessened when He does something. See, when He spoke the worlds into being, He didn't all of a sudden have less power. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Your power is limited. See, you you can bitch, you know, my, my one... Best rep is 400 pounds. Bench press, 400 pounds. I'm not talking about me. I'm, I'm talking about some of you, right? And you do that one rep. You're, you're one rep best, 400 pounds. Guess what? You can't do it again or it's not your one rep best, is it? You got to recover for a while at least. But you know what else? You know what? You work out hard and you eat right. Well, you can get stronger. God can't get stronger. He can't get weaker. 
He doesn't change. He is all-powerful every day, all day for eternity. Never changes, never fades, never wanes away. It's always the same. That power is so indescribable. See, any, any kind of comparison that we try to make is just futile at best. It doesn't do it justice. But beginning in Genesis chapter 1, we see the power of God that as he spoke, it happened. That's power. By his power, he spoke the universe into being. Billions, in, of, billions of stars in each of an endless number of galaxies. Each one of those stars are like millions of atomic bombs going off every second. Such amazing power. It's just a reflection, a dim reflection of the power of God. He spoke all that into being just by the words of his mouth. I'm telling you, it's indescribable. It's incomprehensible to our, infant, to our finite minds. Ephesians 3.20 says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. See, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above. Not just above, exceedingly abundantly above. That's a whole, whole lot more than you can think. The NIV says imagine. I can imagine some pretty outlandish things, but we cannot even begin to imagine the power of God and what he can actually do. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could imagine. That's the power of our God. Incomprehensible. See, we can't even imagine it. That's how powerful he is. This is such an important attribute of God. You know, from cover to cover, the Bible tells us and shows us that he is all-powerful. But without his power, so many of his other attributes would be meaningless. What good would it do if he is the sovereign Lord of all creation if he doesn't have the power to fulfill it, to back it up? It is by his power that he fulfills his will and his plan and his purpose. See, what good would it do if he was our healer, but he didn't have the power to heal? What would it matter if he was our redeemer, but he didn't have the power to redeem? Why would it matter if he's our deliverer, but he didn't have the power to set free? What if he is the judge, and yet he doesn't have the power to do justice. I'm just telling you, God's power is at work all the time in his other attributes. We talk about the goodness of God, but what if he didn't have the power to make good on it and to do you good? I'm telling you, God has the power to fulfill every promise he's ever made. That's why you can always count on his word. He has the power to back it up. All power belongs to him. Psalm 62 and 11, God has spoken once, twice I heard this, that power belongs to God. You need to know this. Power belongs to God. It belongs to him. Now, he can give power, he can delegate power to whoever he wants, but ultimately, it still belongs to him. And it all still comes back to him. Power belongs to God, and there's not anything that he can't do. A.W. Tozer said, what does it mean to us that God Almighty has all power? 
It means that since God has the ability always to do anything that He wills to do, that nothing is harder or easier with God. Hard and easy don't apply to God because God has all power that there is. He can make the sun and can breathe out stars and galaxies just as easily as He can lift a robin off her nest. God can do anything just as easily as He does anything else. He has all power. Nothing is hard for the Lord. No, it's all the same to Him. God can heal a headache, and He can heal cancer. It's all the same to Him. Now, I understand. I know very well personally. It's not all the same to us. Some things are much harder than others. But we need to understand that with God, one is the same as the other. It's not hard for the Lord. It doesn't matter what your battle, what your struggle, what's going on. It's not hard for the Lord. And once we understand that, when we really get a hold of this, that all power belongs to Him. He has the power. I tell you, it will raise your faith. Once you begin to really see that your God can do it, that it's not hard, it's easy for Him. I'm telling you, when you get that mindset, then it becomes easier for you to believe. What's impossible to you? All things are possible with God. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, with God all things are possible. In this context, Jesus was talking about how hard it was for the rich to be saved. How that they put, you know, because they put their trust in their riches, it's hard for them to be saved. And you know what? In our day and time, there's a lot of people that maybe we might think are too far gone to ever be saved. No, with God, all things are possible. There's not anybody that he can't save. I'm just telling you, whatever the situation, with God, all things are possible. When the angel appears to Mary and tells her, the Virgin Mary, that she's going to have a child, she says, how can this be since I don't, I've never known a man? How is it possible for a virgin to have a child? Now, come on. We all know the story, and, you know, we, we know that this is true, but can you imagine what it must have been like for her? I mean, this is physically impossible. And here's what he says to her in Luke 1.37. He says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen. Nothing will be impossible. I tell you, God's power is what set in motion the laws of nature, the laws of the universe. And God's power can supersede them any time that he wants to. It's not hard for God. We just need to understand. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever your battle, your struggle, with God, nothing is impossible. We start getting that down inside of us, and and we really uh, believe that and speak that and act that out in our life. I'm telling you, our faith will go to a whole new level. We'll see miracles happen in our lives. I've heard people sometimes ask the question, maybe, maybe in jest or maybe... 
uh, you know, just being philosophical or maybe just being unbelieving. But sometimes people say, well, if God can do anything, can he make a rock so big that he can't pick it up? It's a trick question. There is no correct answer. You know, it reminds me of sometimes when the scribes and Pharisees would question Jesus and they were trying to trick him. And sometimes Jesus would give them an answer that would just blow them away. And other times, he would ask them a question in return instead of giving them an answer. And so, I want to give you the question to ask in return to, can God make a rock so big that he can't pick it up? Here's the question. What is in the heart of man that would cause him to question the power of an almighty God? I tell you, the Bible tells us very clearly in Romans 1.20, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. There's that eternal power. See, it's always the same. It's eternal power. And he has revealed it in creation. You can see it so clearly in creation. Such power that he has. Jeremiah 32 and 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Here was Jeremiah's conclusion. You made it all. There's nothing too hard for you. We need to come to that conclusion. There's nothing too hard for you. See, you need to get this in your mind when you pray. There is nothing too hard for you. He can do anything. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're facing right now, whatever the mountain, the battle, I'll tell you, you need to say to the Lord, there is nothing too hard for you. He's all-powerful. There's a theological term that expresses this. It's omnipotent. I'm not real big on theological terms. Sometimes they just kind of get in the way. But this one happens to be in the Scripture. I want to read it to you from Revelation 19 and verse 6. He says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. There's this great multitude out It says it's like the sound of many waters. They say if you go to Niagara Falls that sometimes the crashing water is so loud you can't even hear yourself talk. So you take that kind of volume and then you add to it the sound of mighty thunderings. And that's what this sounded like as this great multitude said, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. That's what it sounds like in heaven. Some people won't like it because they don't like it loud. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. That's what they're crying out in heaven with this thunderous voice. We need to know him that way. Everybody will know him that way someday, but I'm telling you, we need to know him as that God right now in our life. That's who he is. He is the all-powerful. By the way, that word omnipotent, it's just two Greek words put together. It's simply all in power. He's all-powerful. All through the scripture, we see him working in the lives of people. You know, man can educate, religion can reform, but only God can truly transform a life. He has the power to change a life. That's who we serve, and we need to believe God. We need to expect God to change lives. We need to see miracles in people's lives. 
some religious people have the attitude that though God has the power, that he no longer does those things. He's changed. They deny his power to work in our world today. Second Timothy 3, 5, in this passage, he says that in the last days it's going to be terrible times. And one of, this is one of the things he says about the terrible times. He says there'll be people that have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. He says, and from such people turn away. Paul gives really strong instructions here. In fact, it seems harsh almost, but he says, from such people, turn away. Religious people who deny the power of God to work in our lives and in our world, he says, turn away. Listen, minister to them, help them if you can, but don't let them drag you down. We, we, we've got enough doubt and unbelief of our own to deal with. We don't need to saturate ourselves and hang around religious people that try to talk you out of believing God to do miracles and to work in our lives. And so I just encourage you, you need to be around people that have faith and people that will believe with you and stand with you in faith. In this world, there's always going to be people who are skeptics and cynics and unbelieving But I'm telling you, we as believers, we also need to have time when we are around other believers and we build one another up and encourage one another in the Lord. We got to know that He is all-powerful. I want to go back to Genesis 17 where we started when the Lord first revealed Himself as Almighty God to Abram who became Abraham. Genesis 17, we're going to read 1 through 5. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations. Here's Abraham, 99 years old. His wife is barren. She's never been able to have children. And in the natural, there is no hope of Abraham and Sarah ever being able to have a child. But the Almighty, the All-Powerful revealed himself to Abraham. He said, I am Almighty God. And what that meant to Abraham and what that means to us is that God can do anything. Whatever the the battle, the struggle, the problem in our life, it is not too hard for God. He is Almighty God. He has the power to fix it. The Lord spoke to Abraham again in Genesis 18, verses 10 through 15. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now this is the Lord himself asking the question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? Here's a man who's 99 years old. You know, some of these people lived a long time, and so we think, oh, well, you know, he was probably still in great shape. Listen, Romans chapter 4 says his body being as good as dead. He was an old man, and yet God gave them a child. God has the power to do anything. Now, if you read this story in the Scripture and you, you, know, you understand how this happened, we read it and it seems like it all just happened in a short period of time. But Abraham and Sarah waited for this promised son for 25 years. It took a really, really long time. And sometimes, you know, miracles don't always happen in a second, in a moment. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it might be years. But know this. Our God has the power. He can do anything. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. He says, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied laughing. She says, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Now, Just got to say, it was actually pretty laughable. Hear this 99-year-old man. I mean, come on now. If you know any 99-year-old men and their wives have never been able to have children, and they say, hey, guess what? We're going to have a child. Some of you would laugh. You'd just think that was really, really weird, right? But I'm just saying, when it comes to the promises of God... Sometimes people think it's laughable for us to actually believe these things, and they may give you a smirk, you know, you silly little religious person. I'm telling you, we need to believe that God can do anything. He says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And we got to have an answer for him. We need to be ready to say, no, Lord, nothing is too hard for you. Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. But he also says, all things are possible to him who believes. And I'll tell you, we shouldn't laugh at the promises of God. We should never say, there's no way. You know what no way means? Impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. He has the power to back up every promise if we'll just believe it. Not one word of God will ever fail. And I believe that God still wants to work in the lives of his people. I want to read to you part of the prayer the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I did not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I'm telling you, you can't really know him. You can know about him, but you can't really know him without the help of the Holy Spirit. We need that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. He goes on, he says, "...the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe." Get this, the exceeding greatness of His power toward us. Us who believe. Such power that God has available to his people when they believe. 
If we just believe there's exceeding great power available, we need a revelation of that power. We need to believe that that power is at work in our lives. And we need to tap into that power by faith. Mark chapter 5 is one of my favorite stories in the scripture. Beginning in verse 25, it tells us about this woman. It says, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Listen, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, he turned And he says, who touched my clothes? But I want you to see this. Jesus did not call this woman out in the crowd and said, hey, I want to pray for you. Jesus didn't initiate this in any way. This woman said to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I know that I will be healed. And when she touched him, Jesus knew, the scripture says, Jesus knew that power had gone out from him. And he turns around and he says, who touched me? He knew that power had gone out from him. Now, he turns around, listen, first of all, the disciples say to him in verse 31, they say, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? There were lots of people touching him. But she touched him in a different way, and power went out from him. She touched him with faith, and power went out, and she was healed. He looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I want you to see that it was her faith that tapped in to the power of God. Don't get quiet on me. It's as plain and simple as that. She touched his clothes because she said within herself, if I touch his clothes, I know that I'll be healed. And that was the point of contact. She believed that when she touched him, she was going to be healed. And she was. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. The power comes from Jesus. But it's not until we believe that that power flows to us. I'm telling you, we need to realize that God's power is available, but he waits for somebody to believe. Mark 9, 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believed. You see, we look at all of the terrible needs in our world. It's so desperate. And people think, well, why doesn't God do something? If he has all the power, and they begin to judge God, why doesn't God do something? Because he doesn't respond to need. Some of you struggle with that. It's real obvious. All kinds of needs around our world. He doesn't respond to the need. He responds to faith. 
And I hope that through this series you've learned by now we don't have any business judging God. He's the one that decides what's just and what's right. And He is always, always perfect in all His ways. You need to understand this, though. This is how God has chosen to work, that He moves and works in our lives by faith. Wicked people. People with dead religion. They want to question the character of God and judge Him, and they think God is unfair. They think that God should do things their way. He should just fix everything. He's going to. There's going to come a day when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. And I'm telling you, He's going to set things right. But now in this world, this world where there's so much heartache and trouble, this world that is still so corrupt, this is how He moves and works and His power flows when people believe. This is the way that He has chosen to work. Every born-again Christian needs to know what I'm talking about right now. I hope you do, because you can't really be saved if you don't understand this, that by grace you've been saved through faith. You can't get saved without faith. That's the only way. Jesus, what the Scripture tells us in John 3, 16, God gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. you got to believe just to be born again, to be saved. This is how you receive. Why don't we understand this about the rest of the promises of God? You see, many of the promises have some kind of a condition, but all of them have this condition. you got to believe the promise. That's how we receive those promises in our life and what God wants to do in our life. It's by faith. we got to believe. And I want to tell you, when we really believe, there's no shortage of power. Instead of magnifying our problems, we, we talk about God's power. Instead of complaining, we start standing on the promises. We start using our faith to see His power work in our lives. I want to encourage you this morning, don't act like the world and, and see these situations as impossible and, well, nothing can be done about that and we just talk just like the world. No, instead, we need to say things like what Jesus said. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible to him who believes. We're serving an almighty God, and he's still a miracle-working God. You know, throughout the scriptures, you see the power of God working in the lives of his people. He parts the sea, and they walk through on dry ground. They march around the walls of a city, and the walls come crumbling down. I'm telling you, all through the Scripture, you see this. He caused the sun to stand still. He caused an axe head to float. He slew their enemies. He caused the oil to flow until every jar was filled. Some of you know these stories, don't you? Now, if you don't know these stories, well, it's good to us all good, but I'm just telling you, if you don't know these stories, you need to start reading your Bible. Because the Bible is full of miracles and miracles and miracles. And it will build your faith. You'll begin to see that what God once did, He can still do. He hasn't changed one bit. He healed the lepers. He opened the the blind eyes. He caused the lame to walk. He healed the paralytic. He fed the 5,000. He raised the dead. Our God is a miracle-working God. So why, why should we ever be hesitant to believe God? Why would we ever be afraid to believe God? Fear 
is the antithesis to faith. It works against your faith. Don't be afraid to believe God. No, those who were courageous and believed God, God did miracles in their life. David was just a young man when he stepped up to fight Goliath. We read these stories and talk about them, and sometimes it's, I think sometimes it's almost, the attitude is almost like it's some kind of a fairy tale or something. This was real life. There actually was a a teenage young man that was willing to go out and fight a nine-foot-tall man, a warrior, not because he thought he was so bad, but because he believed. He believed that God would give him the victory. Now, King Saul, the Bible says he was head and shoulders taller than anybody else in Israel, but he wouldn't go out and fight Goliath. And when David volunteers to fight him, King Saul says this, it's 1 Samuel 17, 33. He says, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. We got some youth here this morning. You're a youth. Don't limit what God can do in your life. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. God's power is not dependent upon your age. How we want to limit God by worldly things, carnal things. Our God is bigger than that. David tried to put on Saul's armor. It was too big for him. He's just a little guy. Let's at least get a big dude to go out and fight him. God doesn't need a big dude. God just needs somebody that believes. And David was that somebody. He believed, and God gave him the victory. That's our God. That's the power of God that's at work when somebody believes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not afraid when the king had the power to have them thrown into the fiery furnace. They weren't afraid. They said, our God is able to deliver us. They said, but even if he does it, we're not going to bow. But you see, they were not afraid. They believed God and God delivered them. Daniel wasn't afraid to be thrown into the lion's den. He knew that his God had the power to shut the mouths of the lions. Elijah wasn't afraid to take on the 450 prophets of Baal. They all They all cried out and they danced around and screamed and cut themselves and their God didn't answer. He had no power. Elijah prayed and the fire fell and consumed the altar. Listen, I'm sorry. I apologize to those of you that don't know these stories. I'm just going to say it again. You need to read your Bible because it is full full of miracle after miracle after miracle. God doing miracles in the lives of people that weren't afraid to believe. I don't know how it is that sometimes it seems like as we serve the Lord, it seems like we get to the place where we we learn not to believe. Oh, how we need to believe God and expect God to move and show off. Amen. The disciples, they cast out demons, they healed the sick, they even raised the dead. How did they do it? They believed and God's power moved. See, we're surrounded by doubt and unbelief every day and we hear it. I mean, it, it comes at us through all kinds of media. And I just want to tell you, we need to fill our minds with the Scripture. Instead of all of this negative stuff, and 
we just hear all these negative reports. We need to read the Scripture so we know what God says. We know what His Word says. We know the promises of God. It's hard to stand on a promise you don't know. You need to know what the Scripture says. In Mark 12, 24, Jesus says to the religious people, He says, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? I'm sure they would have said, We know the Scriptures. But they didn't really know them. They just knew them in kind of a religious way. You know anybody like that? Jesus says, you don't know the Scriptures nor the power of God. And usually they go hand in hand. If people don't really know what the Bible says, they don't really know the power of God. You need to know the Scripture. It'll bring faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We need to know the Scripture so that we have faith, so we can experience His power at work in our lives and in our world. I want to tell you, He can heal diabetes. He can heal a heart condition. He can heal whatever your problem. I just want you to know, nothing is too hard for the Lord. He can deliver from drugs. He can deliver you from depression. He can deliver you from pornography. He has the power to bless you, to prosper you, to do you good. Listen, our God has the power. I want to share one last story with you this morning before we close from Matthew chapter 9, beginning from verse 27. Two blind men followed Jesus, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. I want you to notice they were crying out for mercy. They weren't saying, Lord, it's not fair that we're blind. It's not fair. We should be healed. This isn't fair. Why should other people see and we can't? No, they cried out for mercy, God's compassion with action. They were calling out to him not on the basis of merit or what they deserve. They were calling out to him on the basis of mercy. Mercy. Have mercy on us. When he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? What's your problem? What's your battle? What's your struggle? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? He's the same God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. See, we need to get to the place where we just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe. I know you can, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Preachers get in trouble for saying that now. According to your faith, let it be to you. These are the words of Jesus to these blind men. Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. He touched them and he said, according to your faith, let it be to you. Guess what? They had faith. They said, yes, Lord. And they believed and they were healed. They went away seeing. I'm just telling you that if we'll believe God, if we'll say, yes, Lord, I believe. 
It'll be according to your faith. We need to know that. Blindness was their battle. That was their mountain. What's yours? What would you say this morning if Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray as our prayer partners come.